The following is a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network, powered by Anchor. You are listening to Andy tonight on the plethora of platforms on the Anchor Network, whether it be on Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Bleaker. However you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the program tonight. You can always be a part of our show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford and Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. A great weekend in sports for yours truly, even though Sunday did not go the way of the Lions. And again, again, the Ford family has to step up to the plate and step aside. But the Browns weren't the Browns that afternoon as well. Ohio State puts Sparty to the woodshed, while Michigan beats up on Maryland, and it's rivalry week. It's beat Michigan week for Ohio State, and it's the school down south for the Michigan faithful. As we finish up, Ohio and Bowling Green, the Bobcats going for the Mackey's championship while Bowling Green tries to find themselves. The Jackets put the Savers to the woodshed last night while the Walleye get the job done against the Heartlanders. It's Thanksgiving week. It's rivalry week in college football. Set it in. Strap it down. Because all Andy Elford starts right now. Guess who's back? All Andy Elford. And a shot at a goal. 54 runs in the span. I'd really shut out. Dumbino hit to a home run. Go Jack. That's way back. Put some extra relish on my hot dog. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Choo-choo, it's time for all Andy Alfred. And with that, I say, oh, I love you guys. And welcome into another edition of all Andy Alfred right here on your exclusive home for me. That is the Anchor Network. And you are listening to me tonight on the plethora of platforms with the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever, whenever, and however you're listening, from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Thank you for giving me your time, your effort to hear hear what's happening in my life as well as what's happening in the sports world. You can be a part of the show by following us on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford as well as Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. And welcome you in on this Tuesday edition, the 23rd of November, 2021. Woo! We have gotten to the almost the end of the year. We are in Thanksgiving week, and we are into rivalry week in college football. Of course, my rivalry week was a few weeks ago, and we don't want to get into that because Toledo absolutely destroys Bowling Green. We'll get into, speaking of that, we'll get into the college football later on in the show tonight. We'll hear 
uh, from head coach Scott Leffler as they get ready for their final home game, the senior day on Friday, Black Friday, against the Ohio Bobcats. You'll hear the head coach Scott Leffler. Also, you will hear uh, you'll hear my opinion on the big game on Saturday as second-ranked Ohio State takes on fifth-ranked Michigan. And we'll also break down the college football playoffs that just were released a few minutes ago on the ESPN Network. Also, we'll dive into what happened on Sunday. Of course, the Browns and the Lions got into it. We don't have to you know, break two games all down at once. It was one game that took place at First Energy Stadium. But yours truly gets a chance to watch it from start to finish. And you'll hear my opinion on how... I feel about that, but let's start off with some positives first and foremost, and let's get into it first and foremost. Let's get into the Jackets report. It's time to fire the cannon, and it's time to put on your jackets. It's time for the Jackets Report, right here on All Andy Alfred. And the Jackets Report is on the air tonight, of course, as the Jackets coming off of a three-game road trip, two games in the desert in Arizona and in Vegas, and then they headed into Buffalo last night. We're going to break down the Buffalo game here in just a moment, but first let's head into what happened on Saturday night. When I last left you, the Jackets got a big win in Arizona on Thursday night as they win in a shootout 5-4. They went into Vegas on Saturday night at T-Mobile Arena with Elvis Merzlinkitz in between the pipes, and the Jackets could not keep the lead. They could not keep the lead and it was just, you know, it was just one of those games where, you know, you felt as a Jacket fan that the team t- took two steps behind, in my opinion. And for me, that's how it looked. You know, jumping out to the early 2 nothing lead after 20 minutes, and I was saying to myself, okay, we can do this. if we, we Our defense needs to be there. We need to back up versus Lincolns. And it just didn't happen. We gave up a shorthanded goal, and we gave up, opportunities and opportunities for Vegas to get back in the game, and they capitalize. They absolutely capitalize in the game, but it did start off on the good note as Gustav Nyquist getting his his third of the season from Jake Bean and Zach Wierenski, not even 45 seconds into the first period. It was 1-0 CBJ on a tip-in shot. And then the Texier, Alexander Texier, nice shooting Tex, his sixth of the season, from Jake Bean and Zach Warinsky, and that was all the scoring the Jackets could provide on Saturday night. As they were up 2-0 after 20 minutes of play, and then it just got into uh it just got into a mess. In the second period, 707 mark of the second period, uh Kolzar getting his first of the season from Lassigman, making it 2-1 Jackets. After 40 minutes of play. Now, I'm saying to myself, okay, you know, we can give him one. We just need to, you know, settle down and just capitalize. Unfortunately, Smith breaks the the power play that the, that the Jackets had. My apologies. The Jackets had a huge power play during that time. 
and they had an opportunity. Smith takes the tip shot, breaks it on a breakaway, and beats Elvis Merzlikens. Shorthanded goal, unassisted, his seventh of the season, tying the game at the 4:45 mark of the third period, and then that meant the Jackets were going to be playing from behind. And I said, "Oh no, oh no, this this can't be happening. This it just can't be happening." And then. The dagger of it all was Jamark, his first of the season at the 13:53 mark of the third period. Hag and Kolsar the assist, and that was all the scoring that took place as Vegas gets the better of the Jackets at T-Mobile Arena with this win, three to two, on Saturday night. Mattias Jamark getting the number one star, Keeger Colstar the number two star, and Riley Smith the number three star for the Vegas Golden Knights. Shots on goal in the game, it was all Vegas, 35 shots to 29 in favor of the Golden Knights. Jackets did lead in the faceoff department at 64.5% to Vegas' 35.5%. Both teams over on the power play, both teams had 10 minutes in penalties. Jackets were out hit 22 to 16 in the game. They were out blocked 21 to 18. Jackets had six giveaways to the to the Vegas Golden Knights 11, but they the Knights had 14 takeaways and 10 for the Jackets. By the way, Elvis Merzlikens stopping a total of 32 of 35. His save percentage of a point nine one four for the Golden Knights in the game. It was. Uh, Brossoff stopping 27 of 29, his save percentage of a point nine three one. And this Jackets fall at T-Mobile on a Saturday night in Vegas, 3-2. So the Jackets had to brush themselves off, get on the plane, and go back to the East Coast. Now the Jackets are playing, they played Buffalo last night at uh, Key Bank Center. Now, I'll give you this stat for you. The Jackets are play, played Buffalo yesterday. That is the only Eastern Conference opponent the Jackets will face for the next six games. No, excuse me, the next four games. No, five games. Five games. Five games. Next five games against Western Conference opponents. As they went into Key Bank Center on a Monday night, and it was just a, you know... I, I don't want to say this, but Monday night in Buffalo is not a great, you know, a great night. And you could tell that the building was empty. I've I, I got to look it up really quickly for you before we even dive into this game. Let me look this up. Game summary here. The attendance last night at First uh, Key Bank Center. 7,978. 7,978. They could get that in a walleye game on the weekend. That tells you how bad Buffalo is, folks. They can't get anybody coming into their building. They can't bring anybody in. So, you know, this is is a sad time for being a Sabres fan. It really is. Absolutely a bad time to be a Sabres fan right now. But the Jackets did get... A pretty good starting out for them as they get the big win on Monday night. And let's recap the game for you right here on the Jackets report here. But it did start off with Buffalo jumping out to the early one nothing lead as Thompson getting his seventh of the season from Olofsson and Giroux. It was one nothing Buffalo at the 338 mark of the first period before the kid from Columbus, Jack Roslovic, getting his first of the season from Zach Wierinski and Gregory Hoffman. 
It was 1-1 at the 8:23 mark of the first period. And then Roslevic again getting his second of the season. A two-goal night for Jack in the game as he gets his second of the season from Max Domi and Brewer Raider. 2-1 CBJ as they took the took the lead midway point of the first period. But then right before the end of the period with three-tenths of a second left to go, in the period, it was Gorgeson getting his fourth of the season from Miller and Dahan, 2-2 after 20 minutes on the power play, beating the beating Jonas Corposalo. So it was 2-2 after 20, and I was saying to myself, you know, we shouldn't be down, we shouldn't be tied with this team. This, you know, Buffalo is is a rebuilding team. They're, you know, they had a hot start in the beginning, but now they're getting cold. They're getting colder than a Wendy's baked potato. It, it it just was cold. They they have been playing cold lately, and they were just coming off of a bad loss the night before. So I figured that we could jump all over them and get ahead of them, and we did in the second period. Oliver Bjorkstrand getting his sixth of the season, making it 24 seconds into the second period, and it was 3-2 Jackets. And then Max Domi getting his second of the season. Welcome back, Max, by the way, from Hoffman and Roslevic. 4-2 Jackets, not even... Not even 30 seconds after the after the Bjorkstrand goal. Then, not even after that, it was Valislav Gavrikov getting the shot, getting the tip in, and it's 5-2 Jackets at the 341 mark of the second period on a tip shot. Adam Peake, um, Andrew Peake, by the way, Andrew Peake and Max Domi, the assist, 5-2 Jackets. And I'm saying to myself, oh boy, could we be getting a runaway in Buffalo? Could we be getting a, the runaway that we were looking for, what it should have been? Cousins getting his fourth of the season from Skinner and Miller, 5-3 jackets. And then Thompson again getting his second of the night, his eighth of the season from Dahan and Cousins on the power play. 5-4 after 40 minutes. And I'm saying to myself, okay. Okay. We're up by one. Let's not choke this away. And you can call me on my cell phone. As the third period elapsed, Buffalo had chance after chance. They couldn't put it through Jonas Corposalo. Gabrikov gets the empty net with a minute to go in the game. 6-4 Jackets. And then Sean Corrali puts the dagger and turns it into the Sabres. 7-4 on the empty net. And that was the final last night at Key Bank Center. As the Columbus Blue Jackets a winner 7-4 over the Buffalo Sabres. The three stars of the game. The three-star goes to Tay Thompson, the number three-star from the Buffalo Sabres. Max Domi, the number two-star for the Jackets. And the number one overall star was Jack Roslevic getting the number one nod. Shots on goal in the game was favored into the Buffalo Sabres as they had 33 shots on net to 29 for the Jackets. 
Buffalo led in the faceoff dot 54 excuse me 55 percent to 45 percent. They were two for four on the power play. The Jackets were over three. They had only eight minutes in penalty minutes to Columbus's 10. 13 hits for the Sabers to the Jackets eight. Both teams had 13 blocks. The Jackets had four giveaways to Buffalo's one. Both teams had three takeaways in the game on Monday night. By the way, for the Sabers in the game, it was Dalau. Uh, Dalau starting for them. He stopped 14 of 15. His save percentage of a point nine three two. Bortorski was the starter. He was he stopped eight of twelve for a save percentage of a point six six seven for the Jackets. Corpusalo going the distance, stopping twenty nine of thirty three save percentage of a point. Eight seven nine. So the Jackets, a big win in Buffalo. They now head home for two quick home games, the sandwich in between the Thanksgiving holiday. They will be back on the ice tomorrow night, and it is a big night at Nationwide Arena as it is the return of Pierre-Luc Dubois to Nationwide Arena ever since the trade from last year's, uh, last year's uh, 40-game season. Uh, he started the trend to get rid of John Tortorella, as he didn't. He and Torch did not come to an agreement on a lot of things, so they shipped him, and we got Patrick Line. Line out, unfortunately, and our thoughts and prayers are with the Line family at the loss of Patrick's uh, father. Uh, we do th- send our thoughts and our prayers to the Line family for that. The Jackets do get back on the ice tomorrow night. 7 o'clock puck drop at 200 West Nationwide Boulevard as the Jackets take on the Winnipeg Jets. Then they'll have Thanksgiving off Thursday. They'll be back on the ice Friday night to take on the Vancouver Canucks. 7 o'clock puck drop at Nationwide Arena before they hit the road for four games, which will start Saturday night in St. Louis. 8 o'clock puck drop for that one. Then they will be in Nashville on Tuesday night, 8 p.m. puck drop for that one. In Dallas on Thursday, 8.30 drop. And then Saturday, they are in Washington, the nation's capital, for a 7 o'clock puck drop before they return home that following Sunday to take on the San Jose Sharks. And then the Jackets will then take on Toronto in Toronto on the 7th of December. So there is that for you right there. Looking at the... Scores from around the league that took place last night. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, who the Jackets are facing, hosted the Pittsburgh Penguins. The Penguins were a winner 3-1. Vegas took on the St. Louis Blues, and the Blues getting a 5-2 win over the Golden Knights. The Predators, a 3-2 win over the Anaheim Ducks. Ottawa getting back on the ice after their COVID run. They took on the Colorado Avalanche, and they lose 7-5. San Jose, a winner 2-1 over the Carolina Hurricanes games tonight. We'll see uh, the Flames hosting the Blackhawks. Tampa is at home to take on the Flyers. The Oilers are in Dallas to battle the Stars. Tomorrow night, slate, 10 o'clock puck drop on TNT. It will be Austin Matthews and the Toronto Maple Leafs taking on uh, Jonathan Quick and the Los Angeles Kings. That's a 10 o'clock puck drop. 7 o'clock puck drops look like this, so that's the primetime game. 7 o'clock puck drops. Boston is in Buffalo to battle the Sabres. Vegas is in Nashville to battle the Predators. You also have the Flyers taking on the Panthers. Minnesota is in New Jersey to battle the Devils. 
Vancouver is in Pittsburgh to battle the, the Penguins. Montreal in Washington to battle the Capitals. St. Louis in Detroit to battle the Red Wings. It is the Battle of New York as the Rangers come to the new building in in Long Island to battle the Islanders. 7.30 puck drop for that one. Anaheim is in Colorado. Seattle hosts Carolina. It will be Edmonton in Arizona. And Ottawa is in San Jose to battle the Sharks. Of course, like I said, Thursday, it is a day off with Thanksgiving. They'll be all everybody will be back on the ice on Friday night to take on their opponents. Of course, the primetime game, ESPN Plus, as well as on ABC, the New York Rangers taking on the Boston Bruins on Friday afternoon, 1 o'clock. Puck drop for that one. With that all in mind, let's take a look at the standings going forward into tonight's play. It is the looking at the Atlantic Division. It is the Florida Panthers at 13-2 and 3 with 29 points. The Toronto Maple Leafs at 13-6 and 1 with 27 points. It is the Tampa Bay Lightning at 10-4 and 3 with 23 points. Metropolitan Division sees Carolina at the top spot at 14-2 and 1 with 29 points. The Washington Capitals are 11-5, 11-3-5 with 27 points. The Rangers 11-4-3 with 25 points. With 16 games played, the, the Columbus Blue Jackets are 10-6-0 with 20 points. They're the top wildcard spot. Pittsburgh is holding the second wildcard spot at 8-6-4 with 20 points. Outside looking in looks like this. The Flyers are 8-5-3 with 19 points. The Devils 8-5-3 with 19 points. The Red Wings are 8-9-3 with 19 points. They play 20 games. Boston 9-6-0 with 18 points. The Sabres 7-9-2 with 16 points. The Islanders 5-8-2 with 12 points. The Montreal Canadiens 5-13-2 with 12 points. And the Ottawa Senators 4-11-1 with only 9 points this season. Western Conference standings looks like this in the Central Division. It is top with the Minnesota Wild at 11-6-1 with 23 points. It is the St. Louis Blues at 10-6-2 with 22 points. Winnipeg is 9-5-4 with 22 points. In the Pacific Division, it is the Calgary Flames at 11-3-5 with 27 points. The Edmonton Oilers 13-4-0 with 26 points. The Anaheim Ducks 10-6-3 with 23 points. Top wildcard spot is held by the Vegas Golden Knights at 11-8-0 with 22 points. The Nashville Predators are 10-7-1 with 21 points. On the outside looking in are the Colorado Avalanche at 9-5-1 with 19 points. The San Jose Sharks 9-8-1 with 19 points. The Kings 8-7-3 with 19 points. The Dallas Stars 7-7-2 with 16 points. The Chicago Blackhawks 6-10-2 with 14 points. The Vancouver Canucks 6-11-2 with 14 points. Seattle 5-12-1 with 11 points. And Arizona is in the last position at 4-13-2 with 10 points. So the Ottawa Senators is the worst team because they have covid have the less amount of points at nine points, but their next win or overtime gets them to double digits. So that's good to know for that one. News and notes around the NHL, by the way, before we pass along. If you haven't seen it yet, have you seen the new New Jersey Devils third jersey that they're going to be wearing? It says jersey on it. I, I kid you not. It says it's a black jersey with white trim and red outlining 
and it says Jersey on it. It was designed by Martin Broder. Now, I, I, I like the jersey. I've always liked the black jersey. I've always been a big fan of black jerseys. I like the new Team Canada jerseys that they're going to be wearing in the Beijing Olympics. But I think that black with the red outline looks absolutely stunning. But this jersey right here is probably one of the stupidest jerseys I've ever seen in my entire life. But it's just the word jersey written over it. It just says a lot. You know, what are they going to make a hat that says hat on it? Are they going to make a shirt that says shirt on it? Come on, give me a break. Absolutely terrible. Braden Point is going to be out four to six, week, six weeks with an upper body injury. Uh, some bad news, too, as Zdeno Chara has now entered into the NHL's COVID-19 protocol. He is out for a while. He will be, Him and Nelson are now out two to four weeks with the Islanders because of the COVID-19 situation. Also, uh, pass it along to you as well. Uh, uh, Kevin Hayes is week to week with a recurring abdominal muscle injury. So he's out, of course. But, you know, for me, the, the cool thing is that Austin Matthews, in the Movember month, has raised over $134,000 to, to help out with to help out with uh with what's happening for men for the month of uh for November and he says on Saturday Matthew surpassed his goal and at the end of November the mu his mustache will be gone until next year he says since 2020 Austin Matthews has raised over $175,000 for Movember. The organization focuses on men's health, and funds raised will go towards supporting men's mental health, suicide prevention, prostate, and testicular cancer research. So congratulations to Austin Matthews on that as well. So the Jackets, a big win last night, 7-4 over the Buffalo Sabres. They get back on the ice tomorrow night against the Winnipeg Jets. As you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's talk about the ECHL, and let's talk about a big weekend for the Walleye this past weekend as they took on the Heartlanders of Iowa and put the Heartlanders to the woodshed. The Walleye were in action this past weekend. Of course, we did the Falcon Friday edition of the program. And by the way, I want to say thank you to all those that were watching the Falcon Friday edition of the program, as well as watching the special edition uh, first intermission period intermission reports that we've been doing every time I go to the Walleye games. I appreciate you guys tuning into those and seeing the uh, what's happening in the Huntington Center. Of course, the Walleye were in action this past Friday night as they took on the Iowa Heartlanders and the Walleye getting a big 5-1 win on Friday night as they took on the Heartlanders. It all started off with Josh Dickinson getting his fourth of the season from Matthew Berry and TJ Hensick. It was 1-0 Walleye. Before then, after that, it was uh, Tomnick getting his second of the season for Graffini and Hillman for the Walleye. 2-0 Fish. And then by the end of the third period, Marcus Vela, his sixth of the season for Marquette and Keenan. 
It's 3-0 Fish after 20 minutes of play. In the second period, just starting off, it was Matthew Berry from TJ Hensick and Hillman on the power play, capitalizing it for the Jackets. Excuse not the Jackets, but the Walleye. As it was 4-0 Fish, the Fish continue on as Marcus Vela on a shorthanded breakaway beats uh, Jones for his seventh of the season. It was 5-0 Fish. After 40 minutes, after 40 minutes of play, it was five nothing. Halfway through the third period, before Misley getting his third of the season from Bennett and Linhart on the power play for Iowa's five one. But that was all the scoring that the Heartlanders could put up, as the Fish getting a five one win over the Heartlanders on Friday night. The three stars of the game were T.J. Hensick, the number three star, Matthew Berry, the number two star, and Marcus Vela, the number one star, in front of a good crowd of. 6,221 game time, 2 hours and 28 minutes. The Walleye out shooting the Heartlanders 31-20 to in the game. Iowa 1 for 3 on the power play. Toledo 1 for 3 on the power play. It was Brandstorm for the Fish. He's getting the start. He stopped 20, 19 of 20. His save percentage of a .975. Hunter Jones stopping 26 of 31. His save percentage of a point. 889. Eight, so there is that for you guys. That's the fish getting a big Friday night win at home at the Huntington Center on Friday night. So then Saturday comes, and this is the first time of getting an opportunity to watch the fish play the Heartlanders. And I'm going to say this first and foremost, too. Uh, Saturday night, I got an opportunity to go with the wife. We had a great time. Uh, I noticed one thing, though, the goaltender from the Heartlanders. Uh, his name is Kolowski. Uh, his family was in town for the game. They were sitting up in section 114, up at the top, underneath the uh, where the walleye, like the the record leaders and everything like that, are there. And they were cheering him on. And got a chance to when I went down to the lower level, got a, got a chance to see meet his dad a little bit, chat him up just a little bit. So it was good to see them uh, make the trip to see this, see this goal, see him, see their son play, and see their boyfriend or our fiance play. So it was pretty cool, absolutely pretty cool. But the fish just absolutely dominated in this game. They, they from the start of the game to the end of the game, it was just a repeat of what happened on Friday night. It was it was Hensick getting the starting on the power play from Dickinson and Hillman. At the 6.52 mark of the first period, it was one nothing Fish. Then again, at the 8.51 mark, Josh Dickinson getting his fifth of the season from Matthew Barry. It was 2 nothing Fish. After that, Barry gets on the scoreboard. His seventh of the season from Hensick and Hillman on the power play. It was 3 nothing Fish after 20 minutes of play. Not even 10 seconds into the start of the second period, Josh Dickinson getting his second of the night, his sixth of the season from Barry and Hensick. It was 4-0 Fish. Tomlick getting his third of the season in the second period. At the 17-41 mark of the period, it was 5-0 Walleye. Boeing and Hartzell was the, the assist on the power play. And then Iowa getting on the on the scoreboard at the 11-09 mark. Beating Billy Christopoulos, getting his shutout broken up as it was Bennett and Lamar getting the assist 
on Casaruno's uh, fourth goal of the season. As it was 5-1 Heartlanders, but Barry then buries it past Kowalski, his eighth of the season from Orlowski and Dickinson. And that was the final at the Huntington Center on Saturday night as the Fish cruised to a 6-1 victory over the Heartlanders. They outshot the Heartlanders in the game 40-17. to Walleye 3-for-5 on the power play. Iowa 0-for-2 of the power play. And finally we got to see some fighting on the ice. And for, for Iowa, it was interesting. Uh, Neffner went after... Frazier and Vela. It was a hard hit. That's what it really was. It was a hard hit in the in front of the penalty box. Vela drops the gloves with Kepner, and then Salar dropped him with Frazier. Kepner got the two minutes for instigation and five minutes for fighting. Vela five minutes for fighting. Stoller getting the four minute double minor. So is Frazier getting the double wire. But it was good to see finally they dropped the gloves. We miss I miss watching a fight, a live fight on the ice. It's been it's been a while. It has been a while. By the way, Chrysopolis was the uh winner. He stopped sixteen of seventeen and saved percentage of a point nine seven five. For Kowalski, he stopped thirty-four of forty, save percentage of a point eight nine five. So the walleye a big win on on Saturday night, looking at other scores Saturday night, Cincinnati was a winner 4-2 over the Atlanta Gladiators. The Comets a 3-2 win on Ace Ventura night at the Memorial Coliseum. 3-2 winners over the Nailers. Adirondack a winner 2-1 over Idaho. Utah a 4-2 win over the Kansas City Grizzlies on Sunday. By the way, going at the Sunday slate, here's something that caught my eye. After the weekend that the Iowa Heartlanders had, they went into Fort Wayne on Sunday and beat the Comets 5-1. to one. They took their frustrations of being absolutely dominated uh, and being outscored by the Walleye 11-2 to two, and took that frustration and beat the Comets 5-1. to one. That says something right there. That says something right there. Uh, two games happening right now in the ECHL right now. Orlando is in Atlanta to battle the Gladiators. There's no score there. We have a final, though it looks like it's just coming in right now. Jacksonville winner 4-3 to over the South Carolina Stingrays. Tomorrow, Wednesday, Slate, Newfoundland is in Adirondack to battle the Thunder. Kalamazoo is hosting the Fort Wayne Comets, 7, puck, 7 o'clock puck drop. Indy is in Wheeling to battle the Nailers. The Walleye hit the road. They will take on the Cincinnati Cyclones. 735 puck drop for that one on that one. And then, of course, like I mentioned before, Thursday night, there's there's one game in the morning. It will be Norfolk taking on Orlando, 11 a.m. Eastern. But the big game tomorrow uh, will be on Thanksgiving, 730 Eastern puck drop. So after all the dinner, after all the time, if you're having dinner early in the day, and if you're thinking about, Know, what are we going to do? The Target's not open for, for Black Friday. Not that many shops are going to be open for Black Friday. What is there to do? If you're in the Toledo area, get the road. For an hour and 45-minute drive over to Fort Wayne, as it will be the Bob Chase Memorial Game as the Toledo Walleye, or should I say the Toledo Gold Diggers, will take on the Fort Wayne Comets at 730 
is the puck drop. Tickets are still available for that one. I've tried to convince the wife. She's not wanting me to go, so it looks like we're not going to be making that trek over. But those jerseys are pretty, pretty slick. I hope, I would like to see the walleye sell those jerseys or auction them off or raffle them off or do whatever with those jerseys because that would be absolutely cool to see. By the way, Friday night, they will be back at home at the Huntington Center. They will take on the Indy Fuel 715 puck drop for that one. Uh, that is also Teddy Bear Toss Night. So if you're going to the game, don't forget to bring a teddy bear for Lucas County Children's Services as they will ta- they will give those away for the holiday Christmas season. By the way, 735 puck drop sees Kalamazoo in 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 Cincinnati. Wheeling is in Iowa to battle the Heartlanders. And uh, Fort Wayne is off on Friday night. They will get back into the ice on Saturday as they take on the Indy Fuel on that one right there. So the Walleye will play tomorrow night, Thursday, Friday, and that is it for the week. So looking at the standings going into this weekend's play in the Central Division, Fort Wayne is now in the top spot. At 8-3-1, 17 points. Toledo is 8-4-0-0 with 16 points. Cincinnati, 7-5-0-0 with 14 points. Kalamazoo, 6-4-0-0 with 12 points. The Wheeling Nailers are 5-6-0-0 with 10 points. The Indianapolis Fuel, 4-7-0-1 with 9 points. And the Iowa Heartlanders, 3-8-2-0 with 8 points. So there is that for you. The surprising thing for me right now, I'm looking at the standings in this and, uh, you know, Newfoundland looking great at 10-2-0-0 with 20 points leading the North Division. Utah leading the Mountain Division at 9-5-0-0. But you look at the South, and Orlando at 7-5-1-0 with 15 points, and Florida at 7-3-1-2 with 17 points. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if Orlando pulls something this year. And it kind of shocks me, too, that South Carolina is so bad this year. 5-6-0-0 with 10 points. Kind of really shocks me. But we shall see. As you're listening to All ADL for tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for turning into the program tonight. And now let's hit the gridiron and let's talk a little... You know, we'll start with the NFL first and foremost, and let's talk about what happened, what what we saw on Sunday in the National Football League. Well, let's talk about it. Let's talk about Sunday. First and foremost, let's talk about the Browns and Lions. This game was just an absolute, pardon my language, but it was an absolute shit show. The weather conditions were terrible. Uh, the weather was just—it was rainy, it was cold, but it was perfect Northeast Ohio football weather. And both teams were looking for, you know, some sort of redemption. The Lions coming off of a tie last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Browns coming off of an embarrassing loss to the New England Patriots. Now I look at this game. I looked about it so much, and I, I. I Glad I picked Cleveland. I'm glad I picked Cleveland in the game. I really did. Um, but at some point, I was still rooting as a Lions fan. 
you know, and I was hoping that, you know, that it would be a great game. Finding out, though, did not realize it, that Jared Goff was not going to play. That was a little bit of a shock to me. So Boyle getting the start, I felt like, okay, where's Blau, though? Where's Blau at? He played so unbelievably well against the against the Steelers. Why aren't we starting him? Why have a, why are we not pulling the trigger there? Why can't we get David Blau to start the game? Why? Why? But Besides the Lions quarterback, let me talk about Baker Mayfield real quick. In my opinion, and I, I know I'm going to get criticized from you Browns fans for this. I just think we need to shut him down. We need to sign him for the long-term deal. We need to get him the money that he deserves. And he does deserve it. He does deserve the amount of money that he needs to get paid. Uh, there's two options to the situation. There is that you make him pay, you pay for him, which he desperately and deservedly so deserves of how good this franchise has because of him. Or option B is that you franchise's tag, you give him the franchise tag next year and you ship him on your way. There is those two options and then you restart and you start all over again. And I like option A. A whole lot better. I just wish the Haslam's could pull the trigger and get this deal done. Get this all deal, all this dealing done. Stefanski's play calling in this game was a lot of question marks on this. But it, but it relies more on Baker. If you're not healthy, take your tell, tell Stefanski. That you do not feel right, and we will put Case Keenum in the game. Because the two interceptions that he threw were clearly he he wasn't throwing his foot. He was putting more torque on the football than standing in the pocket and just tossing it instead of tossing it back and forth. That's what he was doing, and he wasn't capitalizing on the opportunities that the Lions were giving him. You look at the line for Baker, 15 for 29 for 176 yards. He had one TD and two interceptions, and he still wins the game. It's all because of freaking Nick Chubb. I told you this guy was for real a long time ago. A lot of you that criticized me when they signed Kareem Hunt and said that Nick Chubb is nothing now because they got Kareem Hunt. Where is Kareem Hunt at? He is sitting on the sideline, not at 100% healthy. And look what happened. Chubb, 22 carries for 130 yards. He basically put Cleveland on his back and won the football game. Because at one point, I felt like the Lions were going to win this football game. After how good our running back, DeAndre Swift, was. 14 carries for 136 yards. He had one TD in the game. Clearly broke out. And, and, and Boyle did a fantastic job. 15 for 23 for 77 yards. 
But the two interceptions were not key for him. Give the football on the ground to Swift. Give it to Swift. And we'll see how it happens. TJ Hawkinson, great game. Six catches for 51 yards. St. Brown, four catches, 18 yards. But, you know, Boyle's just got to be better. QBR rating of a 6.7. Can't have that. Can't have that in any game. Even in a Madden game, you can't even have that. For the Browns, Baker Mayfield's QBR rating was an 8.6. He was, like I said, 15 for 29 for 176 yards, one TD, two interceptions. Chubb, 22 carries, 130 yards. Uh, Jarvis Landry had one carry, 16 yards, one TD. It was Nick Chubb on a great pass play from Baker. Slant pass, two catches, 14 yards for one TD. Austin Hooper, four catches, 53 yards. Uh, Landry also had four catches for 26 yards. uh, Nujoku, two catches, 20 yards in the, the game on Sunday. The Lions had 12 first downs. The Browns, 22 on third down. The Lions are 3 for 11. The Browns, 5 for 13. Both teams did not attempt a fourth down play. The Lions had 245 total yards of offense, 77 through the air, 168 on the ground. For the Browns, 349 yards of total offense, 165 through the air, 184 on the ground. Penalties killed the Browns at 10 penalties for 82 yards. The Lions had seven penalties for 67 yards. The Browns two for two in the red zone, by the way. Uh, Both teams throwing two interceptions apiece. Uh, The Browns did lead in time possession, 34 minutes and 57 seconds to the Lions, 25 minutes and 3 seconds. So there is that for you guys tonight. Of course, the Sunday night game, the Sunday game, Lions and Browns this past week of course you look at going forward for the browns we'll look at the browns schedule first and foremost after the lions game this week this past week they now have sunday night football this upcoming sunday at baltimore three and a half point favorite for baltimore in that game they will then have a bye they will return back home to play the same ravens team at first energy stadium then they're at home against the raiders that's just now a Saturday night game. And then Saturday, Christmas Day, 4.30 in Green Bay to battle the Packers. And then two divisional opponents, the Steelers at Pittsburgh on Monday night on the 3rd of January. Then on the 9th of January at home to battle the Bengals. But the Lions, it doesn't get any easier. Can we find a win? We might get a win this upcoming Thursday. As we do play on Thanksgiving Day, Bears and Lions, 12.30 kickoff on Fox. Then we play Minnesota at home. And then it is at Denver to battle the Broncos. At home against the Cardinals. On the road against Atlanta. On the road against Seattle. And then at home against Green Bay. Now I say because a possible win this upcoming Thursday because uh, Justin Fields is day-to-day with a rib injury. Uh, there's a possibility that he will not start this upcoming sun, this upcoming Thursday, so that means Andy Dalton will start possibly for the 
Bears going forward. So we'll see how that all breaks down. And now it's time for the recap of last week. As recap of week 11 of the National Football League. And we now begin the journey. That is week 11 of the National Football League. Let's recap it all right here on All Andy Alfred. We begin with Thursday Night Football as Betty Ice and the Atlanta Falcons welcome in Mac Jones and God trust the process. New England Patriots and the Patriots shut down the Ice Factory known as the Atlanta Falcons and Matt Ice as they shut out the Falcons 25-0. Whoop! We begin the trek on Sunday with nobody circling the Buffalo Bills. The Bills struggling. Are they circling the toilet? They've been struggling. They struggled on Sunday as they took on the Colts. And holy cow. Taylor. Just absolutely torched him. Five. Count it. One, two, three, four. Five. Five touchdowns. Jonathan Taylor beats up on the Bills. 41-15. Whoop. We then head to the midway. That is Chicago to see Top Bears taking on the Lamarless Jackson Ravens as Lamar goes down with a weird illness. Justin Fields goes out of the game with a rib injury, like I mentioned before, day to day. Will he be playing on Thursday on the Thanksgiving Day? We'll figure it out. But it was all Ravens in this game. As Freeman's touchdown late in the game. Lifts the Ravens to beat the Bears as Huntley, 26 for 36 for 219 yards, helps the Ravens to a 16-13 win over the Bears. Whoop! We head down to Tennessee where the Titans trying to find their way to win the division yet again. The Titans, however, were beaten by the Texans. The Texans and a six-game skid. As Tyron Taylor, 14 for 24 for 107 yards. As Tannehill, four interceptions in the game. And the Texans snap an eight-game skid, ending the Titans' six-game winning streak. As they lose 22-13, all Houston for Houston's second win of the season. Whoop! We head in to Minnesota to see the Minnesota Vikings. As Aaron, I don't have COVID, Rodgers. And the Packers take on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings battling it back and forth. It was a shootout at TFC Stadium. As Cousins, 24 for 35 for 341 yards and three TDs. But it was Aaron Rodgers with 23 for 33 for 365 yards. Four TDs in the game. But it was not enough. As a field goal, as time expires, helps out the Vikings. The Vikings beat Aaron Rodgers and set themselves as the dominant force in the AFC North with a 34-31 win over the Cheeseheads. Whoop! We head into the Meadowlands to see the J-E-T-S. Sucks, sucks, sucks. 
taking on the Dolphins, led by Tua Tavailoa. Tua, again, a great performance for him. 22 for 37 for 273 yards, two TDs, as no Mike White, no problem, as the Jets suck it up with Joe Flacco. For 24 for 39 for 291 yards, two TDs. The Dolphins win their third straight game of the season as they are now 4-7 with a 24-17 win over the Jets. As the Jets are trying to find a new quarterback now. Whoop! We head into Philadelphia as New Orleans without Jameis. As it was Jalen capitalizing on it. And makes the Saints hurt as Jalen Hurts runs for three touchdowns in the game. As the Eagles, E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles, with Sanders to 16 carries for 94 yards. Beat up on the Saints, 40-29. to 29. We then head into Carolina as Cam Newton says, I'm back in TFC Field. As it was the Panthers taking on the Washington we-need-a-name team. As it was all Taylor Heineke spoiling the return of Cam Newton to the stadium. As Heineke went 16 for 22 for 206 yards and three TDs. As Cam, 21 for 27, trying to find his way with 169 yards of total offense. With two TDs in the game, but it was Christian McCaffrey's 10 carries for 59 yards. Shut down by the Washington defense as Washington gets the big win and spoils Superman's return 27-21. Whoop! We head down to Jacksonville. Can Irving get another win this season? As the wet jeans of the San Francisco 49ers come in to... Jacksonville and Garoppolo having a breakout game. 16 for 22 for 176 total yards and two TDs as it was. Touchdown Jesus. I mean, Trevor Lawrence, 16 for 25 for 158 yards was not enough. He didn't get any touchdowns. It was all Robinson with 12 carries for 29 yards. One TD as San Francisco throws two more TDs. And they win 30-10 to 10 over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Whoop! We look to the 4 o'clock slots. As it was Joe Burrow and the Bungles going into the Raiders. And Joe Burrow getting the huge win. Burrow, 20 for 29 for 148 yards and one TD. As the Bengals snap their losing skid. And top of the slumping, humping, royally painful Las Vegas Raiders, 32-13. We then head into the primetime game, America's Game of the Week. As it was Patty Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes taking on I'm Dak Prescott. Oh my leg. And the, and the Dallas Cowboys. And Patrick Mahomes led... The way the defense stood tall in the game. Prescott, 28 for 43 with two interceptions. He threw 216 yards. Patty Mahomes, 23 for 37 for 260 yards. He threw an interception. But it was all Kansas City 
as they win 19-9 over the Cowgirls. I mean the Cowboys. 19-9 in favor of the Chiefs. Whoop! We head into the 12th man as Colt McCoy. Colt McCoy. As he leads his way. And leads the Cardinals to a decisive win. Another strong week for the Cardinals this week. As Cole McCoy, 35 for 44 for 328 total yards and two TDs. As Russell Wilson trying to find his way through his love life of Ciara. Could not find the way through the defense that is the Arizona Cardinals for 14 for 26 for 207 yards. As the Cardinals beat up on the Seahawks, 23-13. We then head to Sunday Night Football on NBC. As it was the Chargers, led by Justin Herbert, taking on Ben Rafus, I mean Ben Roethlisberger and the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Steelers looking to try to bounce back. However, Ben Roethlisberger looked like a cheeseburger. 28 for 44 for 273 yards. Three TDs in the game as Justin Herbert, the young kid, 30 for 41 for 382 yards. He had three TDs but one interception. But Herbert outlasts the Steelers as they win 41 to 37. The Steelers making an absolute great comeback. Could not get the job done at SoFi Stadium. So the Steelers fall 41-37 to the Bolts. Woo! We then play Monday Night Football. And it was the G-Man of Mac Jones and the, not Mac Jones, my apologies. As it was Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones. And the G-Man take on Tampa Tom and the Buccaneers. And Tampa throws two TDs. Tom Brady steps up. He finds his way through the pocket. He was 30 for 46 for 307 total yards. Two TDs, one interception. It was an opposite side for Daniel Jones. He was 23 for 38 for 167 yards. One TD and two interceptions. As Saquon Barkley, six carries for 25 yards in total. As it was the Buccaneers, a winner on Monday Night Football over the G-Men, 30-10. And that is Week 11 of the National Football League. We now get ready for Thursday afternoon and evening football on this upcoming Thanksgiving weekend, of course. As it is a nice spread of games coming forward on Thursday night. We start with Thursday night afternoon football as it is the Chicago Dump Bears, 3-7 overall, taking on my Lions, who are 0-9-1, 12-30 kickoff on Fox. Chicago, a three-point favorite in the game. I have to do it. I will take the Lions on Thanksgiving, hopefully saying that the Thanksgiving, that maybe it's a Thanksgiving miracle that the Lions beat the Bears. So let's just hope for that. 4.30 kick on CBS sees the Raiders 5-5 five five overall. Heading into Jerry World to battle the Cowboys, who are 7-3. Dallas, a 7.5-point favorite. I'm going to take the Cowboys in that one. Uh, uh, after last week, 
They did not look good against Kansas City. I think the Raiders are starting their downward spiral. I think both teams are going to be competitive, but I think that the Cowboys are going to be the better team in that one, so I will take the Cowboys. So then it sets up the NBC game at 8:20 as Buffalo, who is circling the toilet right now at six and four overall. They're letting the Patriots back into the race in the in the AFC East. Uh, six and four take on the New Orleans Saints, who are five and five. Buffalo is six point favor in the game, and nobody on Thanksgiving will circle the wagons more than the Buffalo Bills. I will take the Bills on on Thursday night. So the three Thursday night games, I have the Lions, Cowboys, and I have the Bills. So those are your games for Week 12. The other games. We will make an announcement of those on Friday Friday afternoon on our Twitter account. Of course, like I mentioned before, there is no show on Friday because of the Thanksgiving holiday on Thursday. So you've got your appetizer of that. I hope you have a good weekend right here as we recapped week 11, preview week 12, Thanksgiving Day games of, of the NFL and recap week 11 of the National Football League. So there's the recap from week 11 of of the National Football League. As you're listening to all of the Alfred tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now let's dive into the college football realm and let's talk a little bit about what happened on Saturday as well as what happened more in depth on what happened on Tuesday night in Oxford. So it's now time to dive into week number 12 of the college football spectrum. And we're going to first start off with talking a little bit about the team out of Wood County, and that is the Bowling Green State University Falcons. After the disappointing loss last two weeks ago to Toledo, uh, Bowling Green took on a Miami of Ohio team that is Really, really good. Really, really good. And as Brent Garrett, you know, this team, you look at it, I'm going to go over this really quickly because there's not much to talk about in this game. The only great spot of this was Terry Stewart. He had a 62-year, Bowling Green was up, Bowling Green was up 7-6 to six at the end of the first quarter. Which is which is great, you know. Stewart sixty-two yard run for Nate Niedema getting the extra point. It's seven nothing. But then with four minutes and twenty-nine seconds to go in the over in the first quarter, Kevin Davis getting a three-yard touchdown run. Field goals gets blocked. It's seven-six after fifteen. But then Miami just turned on the Jets. Fourteen, a total of a total of twenty-eight consecutive points after that. A touchdown in the second, a 63-yard pass through our bad defense. Trey Shelton, another bad run, one-yard touchdown run, 20 to seven. And Bowling Green just absolutely looks horrendous. It looked absolutely horrendous as Brent Galbert passed for 227 yards. He was 10 for 20 with two touchdowns and one interception. As Miami beats 
Bowling Green by a score of 34-7. to For Matt McDonald, he was 13 for 28 for 108 yards. Mosley, 15 carries for 94 yards. Broden, 5 catches, 53 yards in total. Like I said, mentioned before, McDonald, his QBR rating was an even 10. They switched it up and got a couple quarterbacks. Mountain, 0 for 1. Keith, 0 for 1. Mosley, and it was just basically those, like the the uh, flea flicker plays, basically. Uh, Tara Stewart, 7 carries for 71 yards, 1 TD, which is the only bright spot for Bowling Green in the game. That's Bowling, 5 catches for 53 yards. Osborne, two catches, 24 yards. Sims, three catches, 21 yards in the game for Bowling Green. Galbert, like I said, Galbert, 10 for 20, 227 yards, two TDs, one interception. His QBR rating was a 55.3%. Helton, nine carries, 56 yards, two TDs. Mosley, Mosey, 11 carries, 34 yards. Davis, six carries for 17 yards, one TD. Sorensen, four catches for 111 yards, one TD in the game. Uh, Hippersod, one catch, 63 yards, one TD. It was just too much Red Hawks in the game. And the Red Hawks grounded the Falcons by a score of 34-7. to Bowling Green had 12 first downs to Miami's 11. On third down, Bowling Green was 5 for 18, where Miami was 2 for 12 in the game. And for me, looking at this, this game, uh, like I said, third for down, the Falcons, the Falcons were uh, five for 18, Miami two for 12, both teams 0 for two on fourth down. The total yards was a shocking one for me. Bowling Green had 250 yards of total offense. Passing wise, they had 108 total yards of total offense. They had uh, rushing yards, 150 yards. For a total of 258. For Miami of Ohio, they had 346 total yards of offense, 227 through the air, 119 on the ground. Penalties, eight penalties for 50 yards. Miami, three penalties for 30 yards. Both teams turn over at once. Once was a fumble loss by Bowling Green, the interception for Galbert. But Bowling Green led in time position at 30 minutes and 43 seconds. As Miami of Ohio led it. With so Bowling Green falls to Miami of Ohio by a score of 34-7. to We now head into the final game of the year, which is on Friday, Black Friday. As week 13 comes around the corner, as it will be Ohio, the Bobcats, 3-8 and overall, taking on Bowling Green, who is 3-8 on CBS Sports Network. Noon kickoff on Black Friday. Ohio, a six-point favorite in the game on on thir- Friday afternoon. Uh, there's no bright spots in this game. We're not playing for a championship. We're not playing for anything. This is for the seniors. Uh, and this is also for looking towards the future of how good this team really is. And... You know, I've got some serious questions on this team. I got some serious questions with the coaching staff and whether or not this is the right fit. We're now going to into year four. The recruits are in. You know, we're a year into the recruits. We just have to see how this is going to shake out. Uh, how this offseason is going to shake out. 
And, you know, we're going to get older. We're going to get better. But the question is, is time going to run out on Scott Luffler and his team? That's my biggest fear. Because we can't, we, we just can't have that happen. We, we just can't. I, I like this guy. I like this mantra. I like how he's built this program. But we need to start winning some meaningful games. And, yes, I know. We look at this season. We have three wins on the season. Two non-conference wins and one conference win. I like to see us get to four wins this year. I, I said two wins would be great. And I I just think that this is a program that needs to get a cortisone and booster shots. And, you know, it needs a deep recruiting building build up for this. It really does. And I, I, I hope Scott goes out there and gets some players that could play and we can get players from the transfer portal that want to play here. But it, it just relies on all that, and that's that's going to be so, so key. So right now we're going to play you the press conference from yesterday, Monday, that Scott Leffler met with the media for a short period of time uh, to, to go over what he watched in the Miami game as well as to preview Ohio to listen to his, some of his comments as well as some questions from some of the audience members and listen to his demeanor when it comes to uh, what he has to say about the running back situation. So here it is, the uh, uh, press conference from Scott Leffler this past this past Monday, the head coach of the Bowling Green State University Falcons, previewing and re- recapping the Miami of Ohio game as well as previewing the Ohio Bobcat game this upcoming Friday at noon at the Doid. All right, happy Thanksgiving to everyone this week. And uh, it's been a while since I've uh, talked to you guys uh, in regards to the game. I uh, was not happy with our performance uh, after last week. Uh, felt uh, um, we didn't uh, put forth our best effort, but uh, we uh, these last couple of weeks have been exposed up front, uh, had a hard time uh, blocking uh, and protecting the quarterback. And uh, it was really difficult for these last two weeks to move the ball. Um, I thought our players uh, today came with a great attitude. And uh, we want to end on an extreme positive note, get to the offseason and uh, fill our holes and uh, get ready for uh, a really good football season. That being said, any questions? Corey? Hey, Coach. Uh on the Zoom. Um, just in terms of you talking about ending the season on a high note and doing all of that stuff, it starts up front, you know. Um, in your opinion, what has to happen against Ohio to maintain that success and, and maybe just aside from blocking for Matt? Yeah, obviously we got to control the, the line of skirmish these last two weeks. We've been, uh, we've been exposed by our weakness. We've uh, you know, throughout the season of smoke and mirrored some things to, uh, to give us a chance to protect and to get the ball out. And uh, these last two weeks we've been exposed and uh, haven't been able to do much uh, in the run game or uh, in the pass game. Um, we've got to be extremely consistent and uh, somehow be able to run the football to, uh, to create some type of balance and then uh, 
protect the passer on third down. Uh, I know Terry went down the middle of the Miami game, but Nick Mosley came in and looked pretty good for you guys. Um, you know, just tell me about him and maybe you know what we can expect to see from the running game uh, against Ohio this week. Yeah, we have some uh, some very good young running backs. Um, I think uh, with uh, another year of uh, training and hard work, I think uh, we'll have uh, one of the better groups in the in the in the MAC without a doubt. So, um, yeah, to to make a long story short, they're they're talented. We've got some guys uh, that we brought in that are really good football players. I know Terry had a on after the uh, after the game. Is he okay? Uh, he practiced today, yes. Okay, good. Um, defensively, the last couple of weeks, you know, you guys have given up quite a few points, but um, you guys have been playing with a couple of men down, you know, Bryce Brandt, Davon. Um, tell me about just the kind of the younger guys rotating around. I know Hardman's rotated from standing linebacker down to D line. You've moved um, Spires up to standing linebacker. You know, just in your opinion, how have those defensive shifts gone for you these last couple of weeks? Well, obviously, we missed those, uh, those two starters. Uh, those are really good football players, and they bring not only uh, you know talent; they also bring leadership. Uh, it's been uh, um, it's been good in terms of we got to watch some other guys play. Uh, some guys have really stepped up, and there's some guys that uh, that have uh, you know learned from their mistakes. So it's a young football team right now. Uh, we won't be here young here soon uh, in a year, um, and. Uh, there's been some great lessons that uh, that a lot of these guys have learned uh, in having to play these last couple weeks. I know Trent Sims has been another guy that's really stepped up for you guys, and you know, double-digit tackling, oh, nearly double-digit tackling, I should say, recently on a couple games here. You know, what's he been able to do to kind of stand out and, and be one of those guys that can step up for you in these absences? Yeah, Trent uh, last year I thought uh, was able to gain a lot of experience through the COVID year, which helped him immensely. And uh, I think he's he's taken the next step. I think uh, I think his best football is down the road. I think another year of development, he's going to be a uh, a very good football player. And uh, it's been fun to watch him uh, go from where he went last year in the COVID year to now. He's really improved immensely. He's got physical skills. He's tough. He can tackle, uh, and he's got good size. So uh, it's been uh, it's been fun to watch him improve. Um, I know Ohio, they started off the season slow, but they look, they look pretty good at that. What, what can we expect of them this week? Yeah, they're, uh, they're a good football team. Uh, they're disciplined. Uh, they, uh, they know how to, uh, to not beat themselves. I know they started out slow, but they've been playing really good football these last couple of weeks. And uh, they've really made a, a jump in terms of uh, their performance compared to the beginning of the season. So we've got to play consistent. We can't beat ourselves with penalties, and uh, we got to play our best game and give ourselves a chance uh, to win the game in the fourth quarter. You know, just kind of going off of that, talking about what you need to do against Ohio. Um, obviously, winning the football game is paramount, but you know, in terms of uh, along the lines of you know building for a successful offseason and kind of maybe maybe a, a provisional checklist, if you will. You know, what are some of the things that you're looking for from your team this week in order to do that to set yourself up for that offseason? Um, playing super competitive. Uh, there was times in the Miami of Ohio game that we played competitive, and there's times that uh, not so much. And um, we're gonna. I want. We want to be able to press play uh, after the game in 
can see, you know, 22 hats uh, on, on our side playing their hearts out and playing extremely competitive and extremely tough. Um, we're a very inconsistent football team right now. There's times we look very good. There's times that we look uh, like we're a bunch of freshmen. And uh, we need to take those next steps with consistency and competitiveness. So you just heard Scott Leffler, the head coach of Bowling Green State University, as he uh, broke down the Miami game as well as previewing the Ohio game and looking forward to the end of the season to seeing how his program is shaping up. Like I mentioned, noon kickoff on Friday. They take on the Bobcats of Ohio. Two games on Black Friday in the Mid-American Conference. One Eastern Michigan at Central Michigan and Ohio at Bowling Green. We have two MAC games going on as we speak. And Earlier in the week, I picked, made my picks on Monday night. I took Ball State to beat Buffalo, and right now Ball State's ahead right now. And then Western Michigan and Northern Illinois, I have the NIU Huskies losing the game to Western Michigan because NIU has already clinched the MAC West. So if that folds out right now, right now uh, Western's on top and Ball State's on top right now. If that holds, I'll be starting 2-0 this week. So looking at the rest of Week 12 of the college football spectrum. Uh, looking at the Mid-American Conference games, of course, Toledo winner 35-23 over Ohio. Eastern was a winner 22-21 over Western Michigan. On Wednesday in overtime, NIU a winner 33-27 over Buffalo, clinching the MAC West. Central Michigan a winner 33-17 over Ball State. Kent State gets the wagon wheel on Saturday with a 38-0 win over the Akron Zips. Like I mentioned before, Week 13, uh, looking at the games, other uh, other than tonight's games, like I said, I have Ball State beating Buffalo and Western beating Northern Illinois. Friday, I have it's Eastern versus Central, both teams 7-4. Central 8.5-point favorites. I'm going to take the Chippewas of Central Michigan. Ohio takes on Bowling Green. Both teams 3-8 and eight overall. Ohio is 6-point favorite. I'm going to take the Falcons in this one. I think they get to four wins and they will finish off the season pretty strong. Saturday sees Miami of Ohio at Kent State. Kent, a one-point favorite. Noon kick on ESPN+. Plus. I am going to take Miami of Ohio to beat Kent State in that game, which then sets up and clinches the Back east to the to the Miami of Ohio. So basically, Miami and Kent State are playing on Saturday for the trip to the MAC championship game. So there's that for you. So Kent State one point favorite. Miami of Ohio, I think, will win the game. Akron travels to Toledo to battle the Rockets. The Rockets a twenty eight and a half point favorite. I'll take the Rockets. So, to recap, I have Ball State, Western, Central, Bowling Green, Miami of Ohio, and Toledo for Week 13 of the college football spectrum. As we look at the rest of the college football spectrum from Week 12 this past week, of course, Friday night games, Houston will win 31-13 over Memphis, San Diego State will win 28-20 over over UNLV, it was Georgia on Saturday slaughtering Charleston Southern 56-7. Clemson pulling the upset over Wake Forest 
48 to 27. Oklahoma gets the win over Iowa State 28-21. Texas A&M putting the shellacking on Prairie View 52 to 3. Mississippi State takes down Tennessee State 55 to 10. It was the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame getting a big 55 to nothing win over Georgia Tech in the Rudy game. Uh, Alabama a 42-35 win over the Bacon Bits of Arkansas. It was Pittsburgh a 48-38 win over Virginia. UAB falls to UTSA 34-31. Cincinnati puts up a shellacking on SMU 48-14. BYU a 34-17 win over Georgia Southern. NC State a winner 41-17 over Syracuse. Baylor a 20-10 win over Kansas State. The upset of the weekend, of course, as 23rd ranked Utah upsets 3rd ranked Oregon 38-7. Shakes up the college football rankings, playoff rankings, which we'll get here too in a second. Ole Miss a 31-17 win over Vanderbilt. And Oklahoma State shuts out Texas Tech by a score of 23 to nothing. Now let's get into the Big Ten, of course. And the big game, of course, was, Mi- was Michigan State traveling to Ohio State. As 7th-ranked Michigan State went into the horseshoe to battle the the. The uh, Ohio State Bob, Ohio State Buckeyes, and the Buckeyes just absolutely took the Spartans to the woodshed. As Chris Olave absolutely just torched them. C.J. Stroud throws six touchdowns in the game. Olave all over, all over it. As Ohio State cruises to a 56-7 win, giving Michigan State officially out of the playoff round. Purdue, a winner 32-14 over Northwestern at Wrigley Field. It was Penn State, a 28-0 win over Rutgers. 17th-ranked Iowa beats Illinois 33-23. It was Michigan, a shellacking over the Terps of Maryland. 59-18, 59-18, Wisconsin, a 35-28 win over Wisconsin, and Minnesota beats up on Indiana, 35-14. to So now that all sets up the college football playoff rankings, which were just announced a few minutes ago, and let's go over the rankings. As number one ranked, Georgia is still at the number one spot at 11-0. Number two is Ohio State at 10-1. They move up two spots. Alabama, with their close win over Arkansas, actually falls one spot in the poll to 10-1. They're now third-ranked in the country. And the Bobcats of, excuse me, the Bearcats of Cincinnati gets into the Final Four college football playoff at 11-0. They are now in the college football playoff as of right now. Fifth-ranked Michigan has moved up one spot to 10-1. Notre Dame is now 6 at 10-1. Oklahoma State is at 10-1. They're at 7. Baylor is at 8. Ole Miss is at 9. Oklahoma is at 10. The big drop of the week is Oregon. They fall to 11th. They are now falling 8 spots. Michigan State falls 5 spots. They're now at 12. BYU up 1. They're now at 13, Wisconsin at 14, Texas A&M is at 15, Iowa 16th, 17th is Pitt, Wake Forest 18, Utah with their win over Oregon now goes up to 19th, North Carolina State 20th, and uh, North uh, San Diego State falls down two spots 
to 21st. UTSA stays the same at at 22nd. Clemson now gets in back into the rankings at 23rd with their upset win over Wake Forest. And Houston's 24th. And Arkansas falls four spots to 25th overall. So that is a big, big news for the Bearcats of Cincinnati to finally get into the college football playoff, breaking the Power 5 rules. Of course, we've got some games going forward this upcoming weekend. We'll dive into the college games first and foremost. And uh, we'll all start on Thursday night, Thanksgiving night, as the Egg Bowl takes place. This ninth-ranked Ole Miss heads into Mississippi State. Brandon Walker's Mississippi State. 7-4 versus 9-2 Ole Miss. Mississippi State is a 1.5-point favorite. I'll take Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. 7.30 kickoff on ESPN. Friday's slate looks like this. A noon kickoff in San Diego. As San Diego State takes on Boise State. San Diego State, 21st in the country. Boise State, a 2.5-point favorite in this one. I will take San Diego State in that game. Uh, Fourth-ranked Cincinnati hosts... Goes on the road to battle East Carolina at 3.30 on ABC. Cincinnati, a 14-point favorite. I'm taking the Bearcats. Missouri travels down to Bacon Bits to battle the Arkansas Razorbacks. Arizona, uh, Arkansas, 7-4. Missouri, 6-5. Arkansas, 14.5-point favorite. I will take Arkansas on that one. 4 o'clock on Fox. He's 19th-ranked Utah battling Colorado. Colorado four and seven, Utah eight and three, Utah twenty three and a half point favorite. I'll take Utah on that one. North Carolina takes on NC State seven o'clock kickoff on ESPN. North Carolina six and five, NC State eight and three, NC State a six point favorite. I will take the Wolfpack of NC State, which sets up the Saturday slate. I know everybody wants to get my opinion on the game. We'll get to that here in just a second. We'll look at the. Big Ten games, but Georgia, number one ranked Georgia, heads into Georgia Tech to battle the Jackets. Georgia, a 35-point favorite. I will take the Bulldogs there. Texas Tech, 6-5, and five, will take on Baylor at Baylor. Baylor, 9-2. and two. Baylor, 14-point favorites. I'll take the Baylor Bears. Wake Forest, 18th ranked in the country, travels to Boston College to battle the battle the Eagles. Wake, 4.5-point favorite. I'm actually going to take Boston College in that game. I think that's going to be an upset special right there in the ACC. 24th ranked Houston, 10 and 1 overall, goes to UConn to battle the Huskies, who are 1 and 10. Noon kickoff on e- on CBS Sports Network. Houston, 32 point favorite. I will take Houston. Plain and simple. UTSA, 11 and 0 overall, will take on North Texas. UTSA, 10 and a half point favorite. Two o'clock kickoff on ESPN. I will take UTSA. Third rank Alabama. Roll Tide, Bama. 10-1 overall, travels to Auburn, Auburn 6-5, Alabama 19.5 point favorite, I'll say Alabama wins this game, but closer than the experts think, I'll take Alabama over Auburn, Oregon State, the battle of the Civil War, Oregon State takes on Oregon, Oregon 9-2, 11th ranked in the country, taking on the Beavers of Oregon State, who are 7-4, Oregon 7 point favorite, I'll take the Ducks to bounce back, Penn State 7-4, Excuse me, excuse me. Texas A&M, 8-3, takes on LSU. Ed Ogeron's last game, as, possibly last game, as coach of the LSU Tigers. Texas A&M, 6.5-point favorites. I will take Texas A&M. 
Bedlam, the big game, of course, the Saturday night game of the week. As 10th-ranked Oklahoma travels to Oklahoma State, both teams 10-1 and overall. OK State, four-point favorites. I am going to take Oklahoma State beating Oklahoma Saturday night. Pittsburgh travels to Syracuse to battle the the Orange. Pittsburgh 9-2, Syracuse 5-6. I will take the Pitt Panthers to beat Syracuse. 23rd-ranked Clemson travels to South Carolina, 7.30 kick on SEC Network. I will take Clemson in that game. 6th-ranked Notre Dame, 10-1 overall, goes to Stanford to battle the... Battle of the Trees, Notre Dame 19-point favorite. Game is on Fox, 8 o'clock on Fox. I will take the Fighting Irish in that one. 13th-ranked BYU travels to USC, 10-30 kickoff. BYU 7-point favorites in that one. I will take the Cougars of BYU, which sets up the Big Ten slate. Iowa on Friday takes on Nebraska, 130 kick on Big Ten Network. Iowa, one-and-a-half point favorite in Nebraska. I'm going to take the Hawkeyes in that game, which sets up the Saturday slate. Maryland is at Rutgers, noon kickoff. I'm going to take Maryland in that game. Uh, like I mentioned, 330 kick Penn State travels to East Lansing, the battle of Michigan State. Michigan State coming off of that embarrassing loss. I think they get the better of Penn State. Penn State's a one-point favorite. I will still take Michigan State to beat Penn State. Northwestern travels to Champaign to battle the Fighting Illini at 3.30 on Big Ten Network. I will take the Illini, who are a six-and-a-half-point favorite in that one. The Battle of Indiana is Indiana battles Purdue. Purdue 7-4, Indiana 2-9. and nine. Purdue a 15-point favorite. I will take Purdue which sets up the Battle of the Great Lakes as 14th-ranked Wisconsin battles Minnesota. It's 4 o'clock kick on Fox. I will take the Badgers to beat Minnesota, which sets up what we've been all been waiting for. At 12 noon on Saturday, as Ryan Day, C.J. Stroud, and Chris Olave Travel up I-75 to the beautiful city, in some aspects, of Ann Arbor, Michigan to face Jim Harbaugh, Joe McNamara, and the Michigan Wolverines. Ohio State is a 8.5 point favorite in this game. Both teams 10-1. Ohio State, second ranked in the country. Michigan, fifth ranked in the country. This one is the doozy. This one is for all the marbles. This one is for everything, folks. And I'm just going to say this. If you don't have a dog in the fight, don't worry. I don't have one either. I'm not a true Ohio State fan. I'm not a Michigan fan. I like Michigan State. They're a good team. I've always liked Michigan State, even during the Mark D'Antonio days. Uh, I don't have a dog in the fight, but if I have to pick between the two teams to root for in this game, I am rooting for Ohio State. I think Ohio State wins this game, but I think I am not going to be surprised if Michigan pulls an upset here. And here's why I say that. 
Michigan has not beaten Ohio State in 3,940-some-odd days. Now, I'm just saying that because Harbaugh has to win the big game sometime. The, the Penn State game was not the one. He failed against Michigan State this year. He has not beaten any of the rivals in so long. He didn't. He hasn't. He hasn't had a single winning season against his rival teams. He hasn't. He he can go one and one, or two and zero. Oh. He has to go one and one this year because he has already lost to Michigan State. Can they pull the upset? They can. There is a There is a way to doing it. But they just got to play strong defense. Do I see them doing it? No. Do I see them winning? Possibly. But they have to be sheer perfect. In the passing game, in the defensive struck, if they can get to C.J. Stroud, they can control the game. Plain and simple. So if I have, I will pick Ohio State to win. But like I said... It will be closer than what everybody is talking about. I think it's going to come down to a field goal, or it could come down to whoever has the football last. It could put either six points on the board or three points on the board. That's how I really see it. That's how I really see it. And, you know, it's a great game. I'm just going to sit back, relax. I'm going to be visiting some family, and uh, I'm going to be watching like that game intently on Saturday afternoon as you're listening to all Andy Alford tonight right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Bleaker, Stitcher, however you're listening, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning in. And now we have hit the end of our program tonight, and now let's talk a little Andy rants. I have a special rant for somebody right here on the Anchor Network. So it's now time for Andy Rants, and I want to thank you so, so much for tuning into the show tonight. And if you haven't hit the subscribe button yet, then what are you doing? Hit the subscribe button. We do podcasts every week right here on the Anchor Network, including if you haven't subscribed to our show on our Facebook page, we do every Friday a Falcon Friday edition of all Andy Elford, of course. We will still continue to do Falcon Friday editions of the program after the college football season is completed, we're going to keep going until the end of the NFL season. And uh, we'll continue doing the ra- the random first period intermission reports as well on our Facebook page. So go ahead, go hit the facebook.com slash Alfred. Uh, like our page, like the page, like the page, like the page, and get all your information going forward. Uh, it's not time for Andy Rants tonight, and uh, I want to share you some audio that I li- he- I heard. I have uh, some friends that are um, that are Browns fans, as well as Lions fans, and uh, uh, my uh, my best friend Drake, who is uh, who I was best man in his wedding, and he was my co best man in my wedding. Um, his cousin uh, Brian or BJ is a longtime season ticket holder for the Cleveland Browns. He sits in the dog pound. He's been there with his dad and uh, cousins and and brothers and everything like that. So he got an opportunity to bring a friend over to 
First Energy Stadium to see his Lions. Now, he's a Lions fan. Of course, I'm a Lions fan. I didn't get a chance to go to the game because I, I watched it at home. It's better to watch it at home in the, city, in the stadium, but, you know, I'd like to cross that off my list someday. But uh, he shared, he was very disappointed at the end of the game. Uh, there's a photo of him before, before this audio that I'm going to play you. Uh, uh, him just sitting there just in disbelief that the Lions were that close to winning the game. They were so close to winning the game on, on Sunday. And, you know, and um, for me, you know, this basically sums up the season as a Lions fan. And, you know, he says it best for everybody. So I'm just going to play the audio. I want you to go ahead and, and uh, take a listen. How is that possible? Why cannot the Browns and Lions have a random stupid year where they go to... I can't take it anymore. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm going to this porter party. Tip me over. I'm done. Tip me over. I don't even care. I'm having a breakdown. Having a breakdown. I have to calm myself down. Calm down. Calm down. Tip me over. I'm done. And I, I feel your pain. You know, uh... Let me just say this. I will keep I will keep hammering this until it's blue in the face. And I know I know Jordan Strack and I know Christy Copanis and a lot of the Justin Fullcamp. A lot of people listen to this podcast. The big question to me is when are the Fords gonna get out of the Lions? The Ford family has to get out. You know, I know it's a, a, a cornerstone, a cornerstone to all of the, to the, the Clay family, Clay, William, William Clayford Ford family out of the Detroit Lions. But I think it's time of how bad this season's gone and how bad ownership has just ruined this franchise. It's time to look in and say that maybe we need to step away from this team. We need to sell this team. And I, I, there's a building and a company across from Comerica Park that's on Woodward Avenue that's got their headquarters next to the Fox Theater that would gladly, gladly take it over. And that is the Illich family. If you look at how the Illich family has performed, they are winning companion, winning a winning family. Whether it be from the Tigers, whether it be from the Red Wings, acquiring, acquiring Little Caesars, building Little Caesars Arena, and acquiring the Pistons, it's time for the Ford family to sell to the Illiches, and it's time for them to step away. You know, the whole situation with with the Lions, it's just, the Ford family doesn't know. They do not know football. The father did, and when the father died, the team just started taking, part of my language, taking a big old shit. And they just need to just sell the team and as soon as they sell the team, the team will be a lot 
better. I think it'll be a, a, a competitive team. It's taken a couple of years to really build, but I, I, I think that this team can be a competitive team once you get rid of the Clay family and the Ford family ownership to it. You get rid of all that, you're, you're golden. You're absolutely golden. So, Ford family, it's time to sell. As us fans, we're tired of it. We are tired of it. We want winning football in the city. We haven't been relevant since 1994, and I was four years old. I I had to go back and find the VHS tape to watch how popular we were, and how we almost got when we got to the AFC Championship game and lost. So that's how tell that's how telling that is. is. Plain and simple. Our most popular player Megatron right now is in the Hall of Fame. We it, it just it just needs to get done. The Ford family has to sell and they have to sell right now. At the end of the season or the beginning of next season, they just have to sell. They have to be done. They have to be out of the regime. That's part 1 of Andy Rance. So I feel your pain, buddy. Feel your pain. Push me over, too. I'll sit right next to you. Part two is what I watched on Sunday. You know, I had Survivor Series with WWE's pay-per-view event, which was pretty good. But before that, I was I flipped around and I found the Lakers and Pistons game. On, and I caught it right, at, right before the, the LeBron incident. Now, I'm just going to say this. <clears throat> First and foremost, before we begin, to those that have been asking me why I do not cover the NBA, it's not my top suit. I don't like the NBA all that much. I don't enjoy watching basketball. The only time I enjoy watching basketball is college basketball when March Madness comes around. But the NBA, I'm just not a big fan. I never really followed the NBA. I, I was a big fan of the Pistons back in the day. Uh... We got re fell in love with them again when I went to uh, went to a concert at the Auburn Hills and researched more into the Bad Boys era and I uh, I enjoy watching like a game once in a while. There are only a few games a year that I'll watch. Whenever the Cavs or the Pistons are playing the Lakers, or when they're playing Boston, or when they're playing a defending champion. So. So finding the Laker game against the Pistons, I was watching that a little bit, and I was like, it was in between the four o'clock and the and Survivor Series at the Sunday night game, and I found the game, I saw the incident happen in front of me, and I just couldn't believe it. Seventeen years to the day of the malice at the palace, and I remember watching, watch, seeing that. So I was just flipping around, and all of a sudden, all hell broke loose at the Palace of Auburn Hills. But seeing that happen, and the repercussions now out of it, that the kid from the Pistons gets now two game suspensions, but it happens that the Laker player is LeBron James. LeBron goes up for the forehand, clearly punches him in the eye, it was a cheap shot, in my opinion. 
and he gets one game suspension. Now, the league has been trying to get after him for the longest period of time. You get him one game, but you give the other kid two games. And I understand the two-game situation because he wanted to get after LeBron, and then he pushed the official and everything like that. So I understand that. I clearly understand that. But LeBron's actions deemed him more for a three-game suspension than a one-game suspension. So now he is he is now off tonight. They're playing the, 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 the Knicks tonight. He's off the court tonight, so he hasn't had to play in New York. But it takes away the prime time situation. Now, he could have appealed it and played tonight, but he did. He knew he was in the wrong. I do apologize I was yawning there. He knew he was in the wrong because he just stood there and like, man, you know, I'm sorry I did that, blah, blah, blah. But but this kid was deliberately going after LeBron James for what he did. And I would too. You cut me open, you bleed, I start bleeding, I'm going to go after and attack you. My blood's on the court, your blood's going to be on the court. So it's going to be interesting to see when the Lakers come back into Little Caesars Arena to see what the hostile environment's going to be. It really is. And uh, I look forward to that. Uh, I can't wait to see the Lakers come into Cleveland. Because Cleveland looks pretty good this year, apparently. Um, so we'll see. See how that happens. Uh, that's part two. In part three tonight, I do want to apologize for what happened on Friday. Friday night, I was not feeling at to near 100% to do the show, but I felt like I wanted to do the show for you guys. So I do apologize for my my coughing and my, my actions on Friday. Uh, I do stand with what my statements were in regards to what's happening at Toledo School for the Arts. Did not realize that at the time that they had did do a protest walkout on Monday, last Monday, uh, for everybody's actions, but it was a staff-driven event, so that's a good thing. So, no, I stand with what I said on Friday. So if you haven't heard the comments, go back to the page there. So that's three. And one final thing, of course. I want to wish you and your family a safe and happy, healthy Thanksgiving this upcoming week. Uh, for my family, for my mom, my dad, my wife, and my sister and her and everybody. Everybody that I touch. Thank you in uh, thank you for, for everybody that touches me in my life and to everybody that I touch in your life, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for, I'm so thankful for the friendship, the, the listenership, and the, and the true love that I get for doing this show and being in everybody's life. So thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. I'm so thankful for that. So I'm thankful for you, the fans, you, the listeners, as well as my family and all those that matter the most to me and I, and they matter and I, and I matter to them. So, thank you. And I hope you guys have a terrific Thanksgiving holiday. There will be no Falcon Friday this upcoming Friday. We will have a special um, uh, check to the Twitter accounts, check to the Facebook accounts for the NFL predictions for week 12 of the National Football League. We will be back on the air on Monday 
for another edition of All Andy Alford to recap the college football spectrum, the big game between Ohio and State and Michigan. Also, the final game for Ohio, for Bowling Green versus Ohio. And we'll also recap the Jackets as well as the big weekend for the Walleye as well. So until I talk to you guys next Monday, this is Andy Alford saying, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. Game of life. Keep your stick on the ice. And to the teams you root for at home. And to my teams. Go Jackets! Go Walleye! Go Falcons. Get the job done against Ohio. Go Falcons on the ice. And congratulations on the great run by the men's soccer team. Come on, Lions. Get me a win on Thanksgiving. Let it be a Thanksgiving miracle. And come on, Browns. Big game Sunday night in Baltimore. And remember to hit them straight, my friends. Because victory is sweetest. When you have tasted defeat, have a great week, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. I'll talk to you guys on Monday for another edition of All Andy Alford. I love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving. God bless you, and God bless America. This has been a presentation of the All Andy Alford Network powered by Anchor. You have been listening to Andy right here on the Anchor Network, whether it be on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Leaker, however you listen, wherever and whenever you're listening, thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. And remember, you can follow Andy on Twitter. It is at AllAndyElford. It is at AllAndyElford. Facebook.com slash AllAndyElford. Podcasts are posted every Tuesday and Friday right here on the Anchor Network.